Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Ken Dunn, who is Chief Executive Officer of GoRead.com. Today we will discuss writing a book to achieve your business goals. Ken's passion is eliminating illiteracy and also helping experts turn their experience into a highly profitable authority platform. Fourteen years in investigative and tactical policing allowed Ken to hone deep organizational and leadership skills and sparked an entrepreneurial fire inside of him. Throughout his law enforcement career, he also helped to start businesses, which was the beginning of his serial entrepreneurialism. Ken hungers to learn and teach others, which has led him through five careers in the past 25 years. In addition to his work as founder at GoRead.com, he's an international speaker, author, and sales trainer. Ken is an avid reader. He reads a book per week. In addition to being an author and publisher, and believes that more people should be made aware of the widespread issue of child illiteracy. Ken, welcome. Well, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Tell us about child illiteracy before we get started on our topic. How many children in the United States are illiterate? Well, it, I, it's really going to alarm your guests to hear this, and it's really – I'm glad that you started by asking me this question because that's where I've come to through this entire journey. Listen, last year in the United States, 12% of kids graduated from high school and they were illiterate. What that means is they couldn't read a paragraph and understand it. Now, they can read words and they know what a word means, but they have no ability to discern and, and really understand. What's even scarier is another 18% of kids never graduate from high school. And that information is corroborated by the U.S. Department of Commerce that re released statistics four years ago that say that more than 10% of the American population cannot read. It's scary. Why is that? Gosh, you know, there, there are so many surveys that I could point you to and research and, and studies of it. But to, to make a long answer really short, the – all of the research that's done on the subject, and you can imagine there are people everywhere doing studies, they all come back to two things. It's our education and our experiences. It's our environment and our experiences, more specifically put. It, it's, it's the influence we have from our parents. It's the environment that we grow up in. And it's the experiences that we've gone through in our lives. And unfortunately, albeit very sad to say, most reading habits and most illiteracy problems stem from the relationship with the parent. How is it possible that the United States, one of the most advanced countries in the world technologically in a number of other ways, has these staggering statistics? Yeah, I, I think, you know, when I first found out about this problem, it was back in 2012. I was just returning to my home in Canada from Singapore. I had been speaking in Singapore, and I was stuck in a long layover at Narita's airport, uh, Tokyo, Japan. And while I was there, I went down the rabbit hole. I started Googling children's literacy statistics, 
And that's when, when I first started this mission. My goal and my company's goal at Go Read is to bring all of the readers and the authors together in one place and then to combine the power of the collective to put a system in place that will one day eliminate illiteracy forever. Now, you notice I said put a system in place. I'm not naive to the fact that it's not going to happen in my lifetime because it is such an amazing, amazing problem. And when we look at the situation in the world, America is, is it's, it's just dreadful what the statistics say about this country. More so, it's even more dreadful that those statistics have not changed in America in the last 10 years. Despite governments changing and economic circumstances, it hasn't changed. But when we look at that problem on a global scale, we see that America is among the top 20 in terms of the problem. And I think that you know, if you look, if you look pragmatically at it, the biggest challenge, I guess, in America is that there's just so much going on. There's so much need in the marketplace that it's just difficult. And I think that children in literacy get left behind. Are there particular profiles that you can point to, uh, say, for example, age or location in the country? Are there pockets, rural, urban, suburban, exurban, gender? Is there anything that particularly points to at-risk students that are likely to be illiterate, as you said, when they graduate from high school, that 12%? Well, the answer is yes to all of your questions, and it's not going to surprise any of your listeners that it is clear that the problem is the worst in underserved communities. If we look at inner cities of major, sorry, in inner city areas of major suburban or city areas, we see higher levels of illiteracy. If we look at, um, the, the the lowest quality of schools and education, we see higher levels of illiteracy. If we look at overpopulated schools, we see higher levels of illiteracy. And, it, and the fact is clear that children just get left behind. And, and that's really where we need to focus. Let's talk now about this idea that writing a book can play a role in a business person's success, achieving your business goals is what we said, was the reward at the end of the writing a book journey. Why is that? Well, so first of all, to answer the question, I, I need to digress a little bit and help the listeners to understand uh, more of, of the introduction that you gave. It, it, my journey has been just unbelievable. It's been the most incredible learning experience I've ever had. And more specifically to what we're talking about, I'd left a policing career at the age of 30, and I was being groomed for very significant posts in the law enforcement world. But I decided I wanted to be a business owner. And thankfully for me, I had an amazing mentor, and my mentor helped me to start a mortgage company. He funded the project initially. He even let us farm his database from his insurance business. But he had two rules. He said, number one, 
you have to generate as much revenue outside of my database as we generate inside of the database. And he said, the second rule is I'll continue to mentor you and support you as long as you read a book a week. Now, the hard thing for me is that I had never read a book in a week. I never read a book, period, from cover to cover. But I accepted his challenge because having his mentorship through this process was that important to me. And I literally became addicted to it. For the last 18 years, I have literally read a book every single week. And that, those readings, the books that I've read, have been directly related to my ability to run my company today. And we have a, a major corporation here that everything I've learned in my books has given me the guidance that I needed. Through my experiences, I first published a book, then it failed then I republished it. I started my own company. Before I know it, I'm helping authors. And what I've seen over the years as I've been coaching authors, and I have helped literally over a 1,000 business owners, senior executives, and founders of companies to radically bring new revenue into their businesses, and here's how we did it. First of all, anybody that is listening to this call clearly has an expertise in some discipline in life. If they founded a business or started a business, that's obviously because they have an expertise in that area. If they're a senior or mid-level executive in those companies, obviously they have expertise in those areas. Well, what I found in all of my research is the, the number one way to help oneself is to literally take that expertise out of their head and put it into a book and publish it. By publishing a book, the author's credibility is enhanced. It's literally raised 30% minimum. And then the book becomes a calling card for the authority, for the business owner. In the book, if properly constructed, the business owner can make reference to his business, to his expertise, can explain how his products and services are delivered, all in a way that will create an engaging story to the reader. And then as the reader reads the book, their belief in the business behind the book and the author of the book is raised radically. And in most cases, that reader will start to follow the business owner and in a lot of cases, subscribe to the business's services. When we say write a book, we're talking, as you just described, about distilling something that makes you unique as a business person and collating your thoughts in a useful way for readers. Is that about what you you've hit, you've hit the proverbial nail right on the head. How does that relate with these numbers that we've been discussing on illiteracy? Are other people reading? Is the idea to say that you've published a book? Or is there an expectation that people will actually read your book? Oh, there is a strong expectation. If the book is constructed properly, there is an absolute belief and understanding that the book will be read. Now, obviously, once you've written the book, there are specific steps one should take down in order to make the book successful. How do you launch it? How do you sell it? And and let's take for granted for a second that the author knows exactly how to do that and the book gets into people's hands. Well, a book that is properly constructed, that is written to be saleable, then it's going to cause people to turn the pages and read it. And as they read it, they will become more clear on how the author can help. 
the book itself will become a tool of change. It will help that ideal reader who is obviously also the ideal customer for the business. But in most cases, once the reader is finished reading the book, their instant thought is, well, if I got this information from the book, I need to learn more from that business or more from that business owner. You mentioned that just publishing a book increases an author's credibility a minimum of 20, I'm sorry, 30%. What is the source of that? So there's two primary sources for a lot of the information that I share with people today. And for the researchers, definitely I would direct you to Bowker, B-O-W-K-E-R. Bowker is the number one agency of research in the publishing industry. And a lot of the statistic about um, child illiteracy and performance enhancement um, when you publish a book, you can find all of that statistic there. In addition to that, PublishersWeekly.com is the go-to authority in the publishing business. And everything that I talk about, when I talk specifically about the, the benefits of publishing a nonfiction book and using that book as a tool, most of the facts and details that I quote can be sourced out from those two locations. Including this idea that your credibility in the business environment goes up a minimum of 30% once you author a title. Absolutely. Yeah, and to put it into a layman's understanding, the, essentially the way that it happens is every if you launch a book properly, and we have in, in my company we teach very very specific strategies for launching, and they are they're multifaceted. You have to launch the book properly through social media. You have to develop a strategy that is really based on getting people paying attention when the book launches. And then as you do that and those books begin to sell, it's very easy to see your name appearing on bestsellers list. Now, potentially not the bestseller in any category, but if it appears in the top 50, then all of the major bookstores, all of the major research agencies are tracking that every day. And then that leads to syndication. One of the strategies that we use with a lot of our clients in launching books is to also get themselves uh, booked to be referenced in articles on various platforms or in podcasts like this. And it's the total combined inertia that's created where that author and their book are showcased that, raids, raid, that leads to the credibility enhancement. Are you proposing traditional publishing, as in the large publishing houses or indie publishing with boutique publishers or self-publishing? Do you have a preference? Well, it, I, I always have a preference, but it's un, it, the unfortunate part is the author doesn't have a choice anymore. Last year in the United States, according to Bowker, there were 1.2 million new books published. Last year in the United States, 80% of those books were self-published. Self-published, according to Bowker, is the real name there's only two types of publishing in the world today. There's traditional publishing and self-publishing. Traditional publishing is, is the incumbents, the Simon & Schusters, the Penguins, the Harlequins. There are about 20 major billion-dollar company traditional publishers. And in that model, you write a book proposal. You find an agent. 
that agent will try and convince a publisher to buy the idea from you and the book comes together. Well, like I told you, only 20% of books are published that way. Why? It's because traditional publishers' revenue models are failing. They're making less money. They're making less profits. And the cost of publishing a book on the self-publishing side is literally decreasing. So an author can actually write and publish a book and have printed copies for less than $5,000. That is the reason that the industry has changed. Inside of self-publishing, there are... Um, uh, there is one other type of company. There's traditional self-publishers like CreateSpace and Lulu and AuthorHouse. All they're really interested in is getting that book published for you, and they really leave it up to you. Now, the latest iteration is a type of publishing business. It's in the self-publishing channel, but they're called hybrid publishers. There are about 40 known hybrid publishing companies in the United States today, and they take the best of both worlds. In the hybrid model, the author pays for the work. It's very inexpensive. A bookstore quality book is produced, and the hybrid publisher is also the distributor and guarantees bookstore placement, and in a lot of cases has the systems in place to help the author actually sell the books. And so most most authors today have to use self-publishing because that's the way the industry has gone. But if they're smart, they're going to look for a, a hybrid publisher that has marketing systems in place and will take on the responsibility of distribution of the book. What numbers can you share with us in relation to the likely success of a book because you said a moment ago the number of books published annually. Did you say 1.2? 1.2 million last year. And yet I read another statistic that is as startling as your illiteracy numbers that you shared earlier, which is that the vast majority of Americans stop reading entirely after they graduate from high school. They don't even read magazines. So it seems that the people who are reading are a few people who are reading a lot of books, sort of like you, who are reading a book a week or something in that space. Many books read by few people. What are your thoughts about that? I don't know if I would agree with it. I, I think I'd have to take a, close look, a closer look at the research. Here's what I know. There were 1.2 million new titles released last year, but more importantly to this conversation, there were $15 billion worth of books sold to consumers. And so if we take a look at the average price of a book last year in the United States was $16.20. So if I simply divide $15 billion by 16.25, you're talking – yeah, 923 million books were sold last year. So if you think about that, it, it's hard to imagine that it's, it's a few people reading a lot of books. In fact, Bowker says that up, upwards of 47% of Americans read a book a month. So almost half the population reads a book a month. So I think that in terms of people who read a lot of people reading. I think Balker says that reading is healthy in today's environment. Now, how people are consuming is changing radically. Uh, physical books and ebooks. Ebooks are going down the most. Physical books are flat. It's audiobooks, so they're actually consume, consuming through listening. Um, and so there, there's a lot of interesting things happening in the market today. 
these numbers that we're discussing refer to the overall book market. So these are all books, academic books, fiction, nonfiction, all books, right? The book, the statistic that I told you, the 15 billion a year is, is the trade. So it doesn't include academic. It includes fiction and nonfiction books sold to consumers. What percentage of that is nonfiction? Just under 40%. It's about 39%. So if we look at 1.2 uh, million titles, we would, we would assume that about 450,000 of those titles were nonfiction. How many of those titles are business titles? Um, about 70% are business titles, just under 70%. Now, the, the interesting thing, though, is we started this line around the idea of, you know, how successful are these types of books? And because the statistic says of the 80% that are self-published, which are the vast majority, almost 90% of those authors never sell a hundred copies of their books. And so if you do the math on that, let's say an average book, according to the sources, it's about $5,000 that an author will pay to publish it and print it. But they're only selling a hundred books at 1625. So only making about $1,600. That means last year in America, if you believe the statistics, hundreds of thousands of authors lost an average of three to $4,000. But when we take a look at the programs that we help authors with to write books that really sell, meaning high-quality, readable books and putting the right systems in place around the launch, we are, we are definitely beating the odds, and we're helping authors to see 10x more book sales, 1,000 versus 100, if you will. But there is a lot of room for improvement in this space. What distinguishes the books that sell from all of those other ones that you mentioned where people are investing a lot of time and effort and money and not selling any? I, you know, it's, I, I am so glad you asked me that question. If your, your readers or your listeners are going to think that we have this secret that we've been sharing and or pre-designed questions, which they're not. This is really all – I love the, the way this conversation is going. The, the fact is, unfortunately, there's another statistic that I, I was really disappointed to read from Balker, and that is that almost – in, in research, almost 45% of authors admit that they're not actually readers. So that means half of the books that are written uh, really don't even have a good foundation for being great books. And unfortunately, a lot of the people that write business books, they're not actually writing business books. They're writing memoirs. And unless your name is Phil Knight, and I, I say that as an example because I started Phil Knight's memoir yesterday. He wrote a memoir called Shoe Dog, and of course, Phil Knight is the creator of Nike. But unless you have the notoriety of somebody really significant, a memoir is never going to do well. If you're an unknown, because nobody is interested in your story, the books that sell are books that take the reader on a journey. And this is what the business owners, the CEOs, the executives that we're talking to should keep in mind is very important to write the book to take the reader through a journey. 
The book will start where you see your ideal customer is in their challenge today, and it will take them through the whole journey so that by the time they finish reading the book, theoretically, they have all the information they need to fix the problem. When you say a journey, we're not talking about travel per se. We're talking perhaps about figurative travel in terms of growing your business skills through the reading of the book. Is that the concept? That's absolutely the concept. And, it, we, you know, th- we did talk about this before we got on, before we, we started the show. But as an example, my last book is called The Greatest Prospector in the World. And I, for over 20 years, I've been teaching and speaking about sales in one capacity or another. And so I wrote a book on prospecting in sales that gives every single thing that somebody needs to know in order to be successful and to build, dy- build dynamic sales revenue. But it's done in a way that things are taught to the reader in the right order. So it's not just a bunch of information there, but it's a journey that's actually created. And it's also important to put everything you know in the book. Don't don't hold back thinking, well, what if I tell them everything? They won't need me because it's been proven that the more detail, the more explanation you give, the more likely the reader will be endeared to you and, and want to follow up with you more. How should you decide if you are thinking that you have something worthy to share, whether it's a good idea or not? I see a lot of people publishing books about the same topics that I see hundreds, if not thousands, of books out there on the shelves. What should you take into account when you're thinking that you have something special, that you have something different? What is there any kind of a checklist that you can use to help you decide, yes, I should do this? Well, the, the first thing that I'll say, and, and this might not make people feel great, but the reality is <laughs> every book has been written. I'm sure every subject in the world has been written about. The only thing that would would not be a part of that statement would be brand new technologies that didn't exist a week ago. So I don't want an author, specifically a business owner author, that's using the book to help enhance their business, their credibility, drive new revenue. I, I don't want them to ever feel disappointed by the fact that, oh, this book has already been written. In fact, the smart thing to do is to know what other books have already been written in this genre with this theme and really understand and read the the books that are the best-selling books that are like the one you want to do. So you can see the commonalities between the different books in terms of what worked. And then understand the most important thing is the differentiator in every book is you. It's the author. And the author has to, at the same time as they're writing the book, Follow specific steps to build their brand online. Uh, one of the many, one of the tools that I use with business owners to really help them is, is what we call a free plus shipping funnel. We create a website for our clients where we have the author record some videos and basically give the book to the client for free, to the reader for free, if they're willing to pay for the shipping and handling. And then after they've done that, you can sell them through a couple of very in, very inexpensive upsells, companion workbooks and audiobooks, 
that can help to increase more value in the shopping cart experience, but you're also creating a lead for your business as soon as they take you up on your offer. And then taking those leads and using those properly to create revenue in your business. It's an amazing tool that has helped hundreds of our clients to succeed with books and to break the odds. What I'm hearing you say is that there are a number of issues to take into account, not just whether you have something new to contribute, but the importance of marketing yourself and your product strongly. Would you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, so there are a million books published every year. We've talked about this a couple of times now, 1.2 million last year. So in any category, when your book launches, you're going to be launching it with hundreds of other books in the same year, in the same category. And so it's really important to understand that the book will not be bought because of the book. The book will be bought because of the author who wrote the book combined with the quality of the book. So what we found in, in our internal research with our clients is our clients that beat the odds, they do a couple of things. Number one, they build a consistent brand and theme through social media websites. And there are five that we've seen in our research that are crucial. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and GoRead. And you really have to use all five of these social platforms together in unison with the same type of message on each platform. Secondly, as you're starting to build your following on these social sites, and we use, we use very proven systems where we, between those five sites, in a six month period, we can get 40 to 50,000 people following an author. And then you, during that time, you create incentives to have the people move from social media to your website. And then you engage them in the journey of the book coming to the market. And then you, with this newfound following, you develop, you launch your book with three strategies. Number one, a free plus shipping offer that I've described. Number two, an online book launch campaign. And number three, really amazing quality publicity like your show provides. That's the secret. When you say publicity, because we're addressing a marketing and public relations audience, some of these terms need to be very specific. Are you referring to paid placements or are you referring to editorial placements or both? I'm saying both because think of it as breadcrumbs. And this, this speaks loudly to anybody that needs to use publicity, but let's talk more specifically about launching a book and those things relevant to that. The publicity in today's world is, is not just radio and television. It's podcasts, it's articles, it's social media, but all of that publicity that you do. When our radio show uh, goes, is aired, then it's going to be on all the radio stations, but then it also is going to become a permanent record of the Internet. And people can find our time together, our talk together, a year from now. And so all of the publicity you're doing online is to create a permanent archive, breadcrumbs all over the Internet that will bring you back to the hub, the destination that you want them to. And they become part of the Internet. And, and I think there are very credible reasons why sometimes you pay for those. 
I did a paid placement when I launched my last book um, in the Globe and Mail in Canada, and it was it, it sold thousands of books for us, and it was worth every cent of it. On the other hand, I love having conversations on internet radio shows, and I do them regularly. And most of those, the hosts are asking me to come to the shows, and it's not a paid placement. I think both have merit today. You talked about reading and the importance that authors not just write, but also be readers themselves and how you read a book a week. Is this reading necessarily only in the subject matter that they're writing about? Is this reading specific to books? Could it be newspapers? Could it be magazines? Could it be fiction? Well, so firstly, I, I really focus on, especially people that I have the chance now to, to meet with and they're asking for advice on their businesses, I tell them a book a week. And the reason I do is because you can quantify it. How do you measure an article read against a book read? It's It becomes very complicated. And, of course, we both know that where performance is measured, performance improves. And so reading a book a week, it will have unimaginable enhancement benefits for you and your business. There, I, I can't, I could spend the next hour just talking about that alone. But the, the next thing that's interesting is what you read. And I think it's less important what you read. It's because you develop the ability to process faster, to discern faster. And I think it's very healthy to include fiction in what you read. So as an example, t today I'm reading Phil Knight's book, Shoe Dog, which is his memoir leading through his whole life about his success with Nike. Last week I read a book called Expert Secrets. And then the week before that, I actually read a fiction book called Lion, which is based on the uh, – well, the book came before the movie, but there was a blockbuster movie by the same name. I, about 30% of the books that I read are fiction, just for the story, just for the enjoyment. And I've read finance books, and I've read really boring legal books, but uh, I definitely say mix it up for anybody that's interested in trying. How do you approach the idea of writing a book if you are doing this for the first time or perhaps you did a book a while back and you're not sure whether it's worth the time and effort, the market has changed, you've changed. Are there questions that you should answer in terms of the amount of time and the amount of resources that are involved and even looking at what's already out there? What kinds of questions should you be asking? Um, you might have to ask me that question a different way. I'm not 100% sure what you're asking me there. <laughs> How do you know if it's a good idea for you? Writing a book takes a lot of time and effort. If what uh, you're looking to do is share information with a small group of people, your clients or your employees, is that a good idea? If this is more of a vanity concept, this is something that you've always wanted to do just because you think it's going to make you feel good. Is that a good idea? If what you want to do is be a bestseller and you don't care about generating revenue, 
is that a good idea? What questions should you answer before you go forward? Well, let me first dispel a myth. Writing a great quality book does not take years. It is not painful. People don't get blocked. In fact, I have helped over a 1,000 authors to write an entire book in less than a a 30-day period. And the most important part of that is the authors that I have helped have written their entire books writing only 10 to 20 minutes per day. It's how I learned. I, my first book I wrote back in 2003 took me a year to write, and it was painful. Then I, I met a New York Times bestselling author named Nicholas Boothman, and when I told him how hard it was for me to write my first book, he started laughing. He explained to me that he had written five books, sold over three million copies of them, and he had never taken more than 30 days to write his book. And he had never taken more than 20 minutes a day to write his book. And I convinced him to teach me that technique. And it worked. I've written five books. I've written them all in less than 30 days. There's never been writer's block. It's been completely joyous, the experience. And those books have collectively sold over 320,000 copies and brought countless millions in revenue to my business. And I think any author can do that. And it is worth it in every situation. And you mentioned something we didn't talk about before. If a business owner writes a book, it can also be an amazing tool to build the culture in their company as well as attract new clients to their businesses. And there's never a bad reason not to. There's never a reason not to write a book. Are you discussing the idea of using a ghostwriter in this 15 minutes a day? Basically, you write some concepts and then you hand them over to someone else to write? Or is this the author doing all of the work and writing 15 minutes a day and writing a book in a month? Yeah, it's funny. When when Nick Boothman first told me this, I, I had a hard time believing him at first. But what the secret is, is really understanding what constitutes a great book and then doing about an hour of preparation in advance. And then it's it's only writing 10 minutes a day and the author does it themselves. In fact, it was so hard for me to convince people that this could actually be done that I actually convinced Mr. Nicholas Boothman to write a book called how to write a saleable book in 10-minute bursts of madness. And we've given that book away for free to tens of thousands of authors now, and it's a system that works. So that means even the most busy CEO of a company can write a book in less than 30 days. And this, of course, is for nonfiction titles, or is this for all books? No, this is for nonfiction titles, specifically for self-help books, business books, books that are designed to teach somebody else something else. Let's talk some more about this process. You get started, you think you want to write a book, then the first thing I imagine is you decide what your book is going to be about, correct? Well, you would you would know going into the experience generally what your book is going to be about. It's going to be related in some way to your business or your expertise or the journey that you want to take a client on. But then it's really about understanding in detail what the reader's journey looks like. There is one format that is, has been proven to work that literally takes that reader, grabs them in their spot where they are, identifies with them, and then takes them step by step through the process as if it was a reader trying to jump from stone to stone to stone to navigate across a raging river. And if you can literally 
understand that there's a very specific way that the book needs to be constructed. And you keep that in your mind in your hour of preparation. Then 10 minutes a day flies by. What happens once you decide that you want to pursue this? What should you do next? Um, are you asking what happens when I want it? Or if somebody listening is interested in hearing more about it, is that what you're thinking? I'm saying if somebody is listening to us and has thought to themselves, I want to write a book. And they say, I want to write a book about X topic that is their ex- area of expertise. What should they do next? Well, what, what, what I would say is take advantage of our free giveaway. We actually give away free physical copies of the book that we'll mail to anybody. They, the person that's getting the book from us just has to pay the $7.95 for the shipping and handling. We'll send it anywhere in the world. And this book will tell them exactly what they need to do. And it'll, it'll take all the guesswork out of it. And, and we, I love so much illiteracy that I'm trying to do everything that I can to bring the love for reading to a higher level. And that's why we give these books away. And if, if somebody wants one, they just have to go to, it's really simple, wasbfreebook.com. Well, outside of whatever is in the book, what should these potential authors do next if they're thinking of writing a book? So let's assume that they may or may not get a copy of the book and take advantage of that offer. Sure. Really simple. You've got to get your thoughts clear before you get started. You need to sit down with pen and paper and you need to write out what, what is the general topic of the book? Who is the ideal reader? Who, you know, be as detailed as possible in that. And then literally create the steps that you want to take somebody through. So whatever the book is about, generally speaking, it's going to be helping somebody to get from where they are today to an intended outcome. So if it's losing weight, it's losing 30 pounds in the next 90 days. If it's, you know, getting your business to profitability, it assumes that you weren't profitable before. So just be very clear on where you're starting the person and what's the outcome that you want to help them with. And the next step is just really making a a bullet point list of what are the steps that you need to take them through. And in, in, in the in the typical weight loss journey, it's deciding to do it first, and then it's creating a new diet plan, and then it's exercise, and then it's mindset, and then it's setting a goal, and it's all these things. But what is the right order to learn them in? That takes you about an hour to figure out all that stuff. And then really simple after that, it's just writing for 10 minutes a day. Every Every one of those steps I told you about becomes a chapter. In every chapter, there is a personal teaching piece where you're going to teach them. The second is an a, a, um, example from your life, and the third is an example from somebody else's life. Those are the three essential elements of each chapter. And it will take you 10 minutes a day for 30 days to write the three essential elements in each chapter 10 times. You have your manuscript draft ready what do you do then you go find yourself a good hybrid publisher because you're not going to get a traditional publisher to help you as a first-time author unless you already have a massive following but you don't need one find a really good hybrid publisher that can still get your books into bookstores and has proven marketing strategies that can help you to accomplish your goals what does that mean in terms of the 
sales channels and the costs? A good hybrid publisher can help you to publish a book for a couple of thousand dollars, but they will have direct access to all major online and offline retailers from traditional books, books and mortar books, excuse me, brick and mortar bookstores to all of the, the top on online bookstores. Um, you need to find a publisher that has direct access to all of those mediums. So the cost that you're going to have to pay out of pocket is going to be $2,000 more or less. What can you expect in return? You will, it, it really depends on what kind of shape the manuscript is and when you get into there. But I, let's just say um, if we look at statistic, its average is about $5,000. What you could expect in return if you spend $5,000 is a bookstore quality book that is a real page turner that when somebody reads it, they can't help but want to read more of it. And that's really what a hybrid publisher will do for you. And, and of course, included in that cost, you should most often get your first 1,000 books as part of that cost as well. What if you decide that you want to have full control over the whole process and you want to self-publish? What is that process like? Well, that's, that's what I was telling you. In the hybrid publishing process, you do, it is a self-publishing. Self-publishing, see, I, I, I'm, I hate to say this, but most people, unless you're in the book business, most people don't understand. They, they naively say self-publishing thinking it's different than what I've just talked about. All self-publishing means, according to research, to the experts, is that the author controls the project. Hybrid publishing is self-publishing. The difference between hybrid uh, hybrid publishing and traditional self-publishing is in a hybrid model, the company has proven marketing models for selling books, and the company has access to the bookstores. In, in the old-school self-publishing model, the, the books are only sold at online stores. Both in the hybrid side of self-publishing and traditional self-publishing, cost is about the same. There's just a significant amount of added value if you work with a hybrid publisher. You can also publish a book through Amazon so that you can have a print edition and a digital edition and have all of the elements that we're describing, right? That, that, that's self-publishing. And it's not actually Amazon. It's Amazon's publishing division called CreateSpace, and that's a self-publisher. It's all okay. the same. So if you want to do self-publishing in that way, what would be your next step? Well, I, I, would, I wouldn't want to give advice on that because I think any business owner that does that is just hurting themselves. They're not going to get the credibility enhancement that I've alluded to. Number one, you publish a book through CreateSpace or some of the other, you know, big box, you know, self-publishers, the bookstores will not accept the book because there's never a focus on quality. There are certain publishers in America, self-publishers, um, create space being one of them that Barnes and Noble bookstores or traditional bookstores, they will not take the book because there is no quality assurance. A traditional, a traditional self-publisher like a create space or an author house or the Zulon or just hundreds and hundreds of them. The author has to give all of the approvals without any advice or encouragement from the self-publisher. The quality of the book is just not going to be the same. So if, if I've managed to 
uh, you know, create some level of credibility with the listener, then please, if, if you don't, if you take any advice from me at all, take that advice. Find a reputable hybrid publisher that makes sure that they can get your book in traditional bookstores, make sure that they have a brand name that has a good uh, reputation in the market and use those hybrids. Don't use a traditional self-publisher. You're not going to help yourself. What would you say to the argument that some authors make that having your book in brick-and-mortar stores is overrated, that the brick-and-mortar stores are using their books, the books of the authors, to fill their shelves, but they are not supporting them, and after they bang up the books and they send back their unused inventory, they're they're at a loss for resources, and they haven't sold any books because the brick-and-mortar stores don't assist them in any way. Well, candidly, I would say that the person who would say a comment like that has no real understanding of the book business. They're either talking from third party, somebody has some innuendo, somebody has said to them, or they've had an isolated experience with really no foundation to compare it to. Because what you've said just is not accurate. Firstly, for an average author, being in a bookstore is not a profit center. There's no doubt about that. But the benefits of being in a bookstore are all about credibility. I have one of my titles is in over a thousand bookstores in America. And when somebody goes into that section and sees my book sitting there on that shelf, even if they don't buy it, it's a credibility enhancement between me and that individual person. And so bookstores still have their place today. Is it where a first time author is going to make their money? Absolutely not. And and it just but it is it is a very, very beneficial thing for a business owner, for somebody that is looking for it. Is it key to being successful? No. But on the opposite side of that coin, there there's there is a middle ground, a best track to run on, if you will. Because in in the free flowing self publishing space that we were talking about a couple of minutes ago, one of the trends that is happening right now is the free ebook offer. So you see a lot of unethical self-publishers that are telling authors to launch books, and when they launch them, to give away the ebook for free and drive all the traffic to that page. And the reason they say to do that is that free ebook will, for a very brief moment in time, minutes sometimes, it'll get to the top 10 spaces on Amazon's list. And they say, because you manipulate the market and give the book away for free and it gets to the top 10, you are still a best-selling author on Amazon. Well, that that is a complete unethical manipulation. And it, the market exposes those type of unethical behaviors. And so the best opportunity for a business owner or for anybody that's thinking about publishing a book is to find a quality self-publisher or hybrid publisher, somebody that whose reputation is void of, of unethical behavior because whoever they partner with is going to be an extension of them. You talked about audiobooks earlier and their importance, their growing importance, I think, is what you alluded to. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's interesting because back in 2011, 2011 was the only year that ebooks sold more than physical books. And most people don't realize this. Over the last uh, seven years, 
the popularity of ebooks has shrunk every single year. Last year, only 30% of books that were actually purchased were in ebook form. <clears throat> Over 55% of books that were bought last year were physical books. But and the physical book sales are flat and the ebook sales are are decreasing, but what's growing is audiobooks. Now, audiobooks last year represented less than 20% of sales, but 10 years before that audiobooks were less than 5% of sales. And so I think you know, people are now more people are getting into reading audiobooks or listening to audiobooks because you can do that while you're driving a car, you can do that while you're multitasking, and it's a medium that's growing in popularity. I don't think it will ever replace physical book sales, but we can definitely see in the market where audiobook sales are growing, ebook sales are declining. Is this for all books? Is this for business books or nonfiction books? That that's for all books. So if we break that down into business books, how does that change the statistics you shared with us? The statistics are identical in every vertical when it comes to ebooks versus audiobooks versus physical books. Where can our listeners learn more about the publishing process? What resources would you share? Yeah, I would say number one, Bowker, B-O-W-K-E-R, is a great place because it's really void of any influence. As well, Publishers Weekly is a great, great resource for learning about publishing. Those two platforms are, are the only unbiased places where people can do research. If they want to find out about the choices that they have in selecting a publisher, whether it's a traditional publisher by getting an agent or a hybrid publisher or self-publishing, whether it's a digital book or a print book or an audio book, where can they learn more about all of these different options? Well, again, I would say for, for an unbiased understanding, I would go to Bowker, B-O-W-K-E-R, um, anybody else is is going to be influenced by a sale. Uh, I'm definitely happy to speak to anybody that would like, based on what they've heard here, a follow-up conversation. But to, to get something that's completely unbiased, I, I think one's options are pretty limited. How can they get quotes for the price of a project and if they're looking for someone to proof their manuscript or perhaps they want someone to ghostwrite. Are there any sources that you could recommend for that? Well, the only one I'd want to recommend is my own company. We've helped thousands and thousands of authors uh, down this journey. We do have a writing platform that we, we have available for authors where they can inexpensively write their books using technology, and it's written in the same vein as the book I referenced earlier. And I'd be happy to have a conversation with anybody. What about marketing? Once the book is published, authors who are looking for marketing and sales assistance, where would you point them? Well, that's, our, that's my specialty. I've been helping authors personally for the last 10 years to come up with really, really elaborate and effective strategies that, number one, can work inside of a budget but number two, have been proven over the years to deliver results. And, and that's whatever results they want. If it's really about selling a lot of books solely, 
then we have strategies for that. But if, if more than just selling books, creating customers and revenue in their businesses, we have proven strategies for that as well. What tips, what suggestions would you share with our listeners, Ken, that they can take back to their work or perhaps at a personal level? There are a lot of people out there who have a personal book that they want to write about a personal journey, a life history, a biography, as you were mentioning earlier. What tips or suggestions would you share with them? Always remember, this is the most important thing. If, if you don't take anything else away from our conversation today, always remember one thing. Books that sell are written for the reader. Take your ego out of the equation. Take that deep desire to tell everybody your story and put it to the side. It will still be involved in the, in the journey. The reader's journey, a book that's written properly, every chapter is going to have three essential elements. It's going to have the teaching you do to the reader. It's going to have examples from your life and examples from other lives. You can reference important people or well-known people, renowned people. So in every chapter, you're still going to be telling your story, but you're just constructing it in a way that the book is built for the reader, not your ego. And if you follow this one tip, then you will put together a book that will help your business. Right for your reader. Is that right? Correct. Any other insights? Well, there's, we could go another three hours on more insights. Um, ne- it's never too soon to start building a, a social following. It's never too soon to get your Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, and Go Read accounts set up and use them properly. And it doesn't take you a lot of time. Thank you, Ken, for joining us from Austin, Texas. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to hear Austin, Texas, because our weather is finally getting tolerable again here. <laughs> and to our listeners, thank you for listening to Ken Dunn, who is CEO of GoRead.com, who discussed writing a book to achieve your business goals. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.